0: Daniel chapter number 11 verse 37 says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, now watch this, nor nor the desire of a woman, nor regard any little g-god, for he shall magnify himself above all. Daniel is having a vision of this end time prophecy and and, and through the scope of the vision that he's able to see, he's able to see what he calls the little horn or the Antichrist. Uh, You know, a lot of discussion is going on. Who is the Antichrist? I'm going to let you know I don't have it figured out. But I can say this much. The Bible declares that he is not going to regard the big G-God of this world. He don't care about God. He don't care about Jesus. He doesn't regard the little G-Gods of the world. He don't care about Buddha, Muhammad, none of them. And he's going to magnify himself above all. But you say, preacher, how does this, ha- how does this come into play in First Timothy 3? Because in the middle of that verse it says, nor the desire of a woman. This Antichrist is not going to desire a woman. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but I do know a a gay man does not desire a woman. I do know a transgender does not desire a woman. Uh, and we see all throughout the years uh, the, this, this reconstruction of our culture and of our society. I was in a restaurant just yesterday um, down there at the beach. I can't pronounce the Japanese place, but it was really good. They had the radio playing and they had uh, they had a commercial come on. And it said something of this nature it just caught me, the verbiage that they used. It says we're we going to have this autism acceptance and affirmation month and i got to thinking well i have friends that have children that are autistic what's there to accept that's just how they are what is this affirmation that we need to have and and what i realized it was like the spirit spoke to me and it clicked they're already going through something that's already been established such as autism and they are grooming you to accept transgenderism. They're grooming you to accept pedophilia, which will be next. They're grooming you to accept homosexuality. And now that we're having acceptance and affirmations for them, because they're going to claim that it is by science that somebody's a transgender, or it's by science that someone is a reprobate homosexual, and they're putting it in the same category as autism. You, you can't. They're, they're gonna. somebody that preys on children they're going to put it in the same category as autism. That's sickening. So I wanted I wanted to deal with that. Because in 1st Timothy chapter number 3, I'm going to read this. 1st 1st 7 verses. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire for good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, Uh, Not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil." Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So with this whole text, and I'm about to break it down, I want to submit to you tonight to be prepared because America is pushing this reckless ideology of changing what a man is and what a female is. A man has, indoor, has outdoor plumbing. A female has indoor plumbing. Uh, you have an X, X chromosome or XY chromosome. It, it's, it's in your DNA. You cannot change what God made you. Whether you like it or you don't like it. And so I'm, I go on to say this. This is a true saying. This is the truth. What I'm about to say is the truth. If a man... What is a man... I just told you. It's not something that you think you are. It's something that God has made you to be. That is something that He has designed you to be. And it don't matter what kind of reconstructive surgery you have. You cannot change what God made you to be. And vice versa. If a man desire the office of a bishop, it will not be long before we see transgenders in the pulpit proclaiming they're a prophet or a preacher of God. And they're going to misconstrued and change the Scriptures. And if they can't change the Scriptures, they're going to try to change themselves to fit the Scriptures. And it can't work that way. Because this is a true saying. This is truth. If a man... You've got to be a man. Desire. You've got to want to be a bishop. Bishop quite literally means an overseer. And I understand there's different hierarchies. Uh, for example, in the Methodist church or the Presbyterian church, they, they may have bishops or in the, in the apostolic movement, they, have, they may have bishops. But w- that's where we get this idea of pastor. The word pastor is not in your Bible. The, te- word, the technical word is technically bishop. But we use pastor as a shepherd, as an overseer, as a good display of what the man of God or what the bishop's supposed to be. And so if a man desire the office of a bishop he desireth a good work he's got to want to preach a bishop then must be blameless they got to be saved hey that that, that that's how in the world can preacher waters be blameless I got a lot of dirt on me. I got a lot of dirt on me, but it's washed under the blood. He must be saved. And people are taking this text right here and and transgenders are preaching tonight. And they're trying to preach themselves into this text. And I'm preaching the truth tonight that they have to be saved. They're saying, there are people right now saying you don't have to be saved. Because nowhere in those seven verses does it say that a, a bishop or a pastor has to be saved. No, there it is right there. He must be blameless. The husband of one wife. Now, we can get we can jump deep and we're going to for a moment. Then I'm going to make it real simple. In this time, polygamy was running rampant. Uh, and so it was very important that the husband only had one wife, period. He didn't have any side chicks. He didn't have any concubines. He, he didn't have anything else. But I want to I I make it really specific for you. The husband of one wife, period. It does not say one wife at a time. I've got pastor friends. They have been married, divorced, and remarried. And they go to the Scripture, and that's that's between them and the Lord. But my Bible says the husband of how many wives? One. One wife. Don't matter which way you slice it, dice it, cut it up. I am the husband of one wife. Matter of fact, my wife has only been married to me. So it works works both ways. Vigilant. I gotta have my head on a swivel. Hey, I gotta get out ahead of things before they happen. You remember just a few moments ago before I got in the message, I made that comment about these people voting this way, these people voting that way. That's vigilant. I got out ahead of it and cut it off before it happened. They gotta, they gotta, they gotta be um, what's the word? Uh, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I gotta know. I gotta look out ahead for uh, oncoming attacks. And listen, whenever a wolf walks in this church, I am vigilant. I can pick them out, I can sniff them out. I can almost tell by they take two steps in this sanctuary. I either know they have bad intentions or they 're lost uh, and you just call I just call it a gift from God, I call it the spiritual gift of discernment I got to be vigilant i got to know if somebody poses a threat to to our congregation either physically or spiritually. I got to know that a lot of times a, a true pastor he 'll know who the threat is and he 'll keep him right there in their pocket that way they, that way he keeps them on a short leash he 's got to be vigilant. He's got to be sober. Now obviously, obviously I don't drink a drop. Uh because it says in a minute not given to wine. What does that mean? I'm not given to it. I have absolutely no wine. I as your pastor, do not drink any alcohol whatsoever. I won't do it. But being sober here is more than just saying that that I won't drink alcohol. It's saying that I won't pop pills and I won't do a bunch of stuff that alters my mind and I won't live a lifestyle that will distort my worldview or take away from my spirituality. I will do my best to stay in tune with God. That's where the sobriety is talking about. It's having that intention of walking with the Lord, of good behavior. Now, that one's a little bit questionable. Y'all know I like to cut up with y'all. Uh, but, but nonetheless, if you talk to somebody about me, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, I, they'll always tell you, hey, waters, he'll shoot you straight. Uh, I, I tell it tell like it is, whether you like it or whether you don't like it, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be upfront with you, and I'm going to do my best to have good behavior for a 29-year-old boy, which is pretty much what I am. I don't get along with other 29-year-old boys. I like hanging out with people like you. <laughs> And, and I mean that with all love in my heart because there 's a lot of maturity to you you have already since i 've been here instructed me in ways of righteousness on how you conduct yourselves one with another you 've instructed your pastor on how to live a Christian life on how you treat one another that 's the crowd I want to be around you are of good behavior that 's why I want to surround myself with that crowd and so uh, whenever it says good behavior that 's what I think of given the hospitality if anybody ever at any point in time wants to come over to my house you can if it's It's four in the morning, that's fine. Just know there's at least two guns pointed at you. I'm just kidding. Uh, Please call before you come is all I'm saying. Uh, But if you ever need me day or night... I am, my door is always open. We have a living room. We're going to sit down and give you some water. I'll fix you a meal if it's 4 in the morning. I'm here for you. Uh, I'm here to serve you. I'm, I'm here to, to do these things, apt to teach. That means they have the ability to teach. Some, some preachers, they, they'll get up there, they'll preach their, their three points of home and go to the house. But, you know, everybody got excited about what he said. But when they, they walk away and hit the parking lot, they're like, now what did that preacher even say again? They don't remember what he said because he didn't teach in his preaching. Not given to wine. I don't, I'm not given to it. No wine. Zero zilch. No striker. I'm not out looking for a fight. Now, somebody comes to my house and tries to hurt me and my family. I'm going to hurt them. But I'm not out there try, trying to brawl with somebody because it says not a brawler. Uh, not greedy of filthy lucre. I'm not in this thing for the income. I'm in this thing for the outcome. Y'all stop paying me today and I'll still show up Sunday. Hey, Amen. I, that's how serious I am about it. I'm not I'm not here for the paychecks. But patient. Now, <laughs> I'm on the fence about that one now. My children have helped get me there. And there's a reason why it talks about the children. I have over 100 staff right now. And i got to treat a lot of them like children. Creates a lot of patience. So, I try to be patient, but I realize I can do better. you got to be patient with people. You can't be quit-fused. If somebody, somebody just says, how about it, and lays it to you thick, you can't just retaliate. I mean, sometimes you just got to take it. Or you do like I do. You take too much, you go in the back room and cry. That's what I'll do. Uh, but I'll come back out, and I'll try to be sweet on you. But you got to be patient. Not a brawler. I'm not looking to stir up any problems. I'm not. I, I'm not a gossip. I'm not. I'm not one that wants to stick my hand in the pot and stir things up. I'm not one that wants to fight people. I'm not looking for a fight. I might put something on Facebook with a doctrinal st- uh, statement or something of that nature, but I'm not looking to fight. I know. I know pastors that that's all they do. They just want to be controversial. Preach the word. The word's already controversial enough. Just preach it and, and and you'll be you'll be controversial like you want to be. Not covetous look, I would love to have a big F seven fifty or whatever they got out there, but I'm not gonna wish somebody just you know, willed it off to me for me to have it. I'm not covetous. I don't, I, in, in reality, if somebody gave me an F750, I'd go sell it so I have the money to sit in the savings account. And somebody say amen. Um, I mean, seriously, I was talking to my buddy today, and the next car I want to get is probably a ten, fifteen thousand dollars 15000 little Chevrolet Sonic. I mean, that's, I, I don't want the nicer things in life. I just want something convenient, but but I don't, I don't covet what other people th- have, uh, you know, there's, there's one preacher that I know uh, pastors of a, a very large church, thousands of people. He drives around a 2008 Ford Focus, uh, and, 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 that's, and that's what he does. He said he's the lowest paid member on his staff. And I believe that's a good example of, of what a pastor should be like. One that ruleth his own house. Whoa, do you see that word, his, again? It's not they, them. One that ruleth his own house. i got to take command. In my house, now y'all ain't y'all y'all don't see what it's like in my house. Some of y'all, some of y'all have come over, but but in my house we have three kids. They run everywhere. There's messes. Can you believe that my house is not spotless? <gasps> There's children. There's toys everywhere. <gasps> but before I go to bed tonight, it smells like a Mexican restaurant at closing time. It smells really good. It's clean. It's fresh. And then every day we repeat the cycle. Amen. But but one that ruled his own house well. Now, Miss Taylor's not here uh, to defend herself or to even agree, but I, I'm going to go ahead and be her spokesperson and let you know that whenever we got together, she said, you've got really big shoes to fill. I said, I know your daddy is six foot tall. His shoulders are out to here. Uh, I'm talking about he's got big, I mean, he's a big guy. I know i got big shoes to fill. She says, that ain't what I'm saying. She said, daddy taught me how to pray. Daddy taught me how to, how to study my Bible. Daddy taught me to go to church every Sunday. Daddy showed me he works hard and works 67 hours a day at Fountain Electric. Daddy taught me what a real man looks like. And she wasn't kidding. I would never intimidate it whenever I met a, a lady's father except for when I met Eddie Jones. He put the fear of God in me just by looking at me and I said, he's God's man. He's a real man of God. And he, he was a deacon at his church. Uh, He was the real deal, and I said, whew, I see what she means by that. Eddie Jones rules his house well. He says it, and it goes. Now, there may be discussion, but that's it. He rules. Let me put it in in secular terms. Daddy wears the pants, period. That's how that goes. Now, I always, 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 always value my wife's opinion. Always. And be honest with you, there's a lot of times she gives me her opinion and she persuades me. And we do exactly what she wants to do. That's the truth. But she yields to me. Just as we yield to the Father, she yields to me. And because I love my wife, I yield to her back. But at the end of the day, I make that final judgment call. Because we do things together. I'm going to tie all this in, what I'm saying here in just a minute. And, 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 and my, whole, my whole point. Having his children in subjection with all gravity. Now, I'm not the type of person that thinks that a pastor has to have children. Because the Apostle Paul, and I understand he was an Apostle, he did not have children. He, he was not married. Some people will preach, you have to be married and you have to have children. Now, I understand that. For me, it's benefited me. But you don't have to have it. But I do have children. Now, in subjection with all gravity means they Listen. And if they don't listen, there's gravity. I call it the belt. Now, if you're Elijah, you take your little hand, you pop him and just say no, and he's learning that one. Now, I don't have to pop his little hand. I just walk up to him and say no, and he just makes that face. So he's getting it. Uh, and so I'm at the point now with Raylan, I just have to threaten him with a belt. Uh, and that's, that's the way it is. Uh, so my point is, you've got to be able to rule your house. You've got to be able to compromise, Right? But if you need to, you have to drop that hammer. And people don't like when that hammer drops, do they, Miss Kathy? They do not like it when that hammer falls down. But they have to have that sledgehammer. If it's a 16-ounce hammer, I know I'm a little guy, but I, I carry a five-pound sledge. Don't let me drop the hammer. It comes down harder with all gravity. So he must be nice. He must be eloquent. But he needs to have a backbone like a saw log and stand, plant his feet, and be unmovable whenever it comes for defending the flock, when it comes for standing for truth. He has to to have the balance that's there then it goes on to say this for if a man know not how to rule his own house how shall he take care of the church of God if my finances are not in order how am I expected to take care of the church finances if my wife don't listen to me How do I expect church folk to listen to me? If my children don't listen to me, how do I expect anybody else to listen to me? That's the the resounding theme. If I cannot take care of myself, how in the world can I take care of God's church, the most precious thing in the world? I can't. Period. And that's why I believe that God has walked me into this role as a pastor. Now notice in verse 5 it says, For if a man, not a woman, not a transgender, not 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 the LGBTQ mafia. None of that. If a man, period. Not a novice. That means a beginner. That means somebody that just got saved. Uh, say say they got just got saved. Now they're called to preach. Well, praise God. Find you an older preacher and stick under them, because you ain't ready to go stretch your wings just yet. You need to be trained. On a lot of things and how to deal with a lot of things. And I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Especially at Fruitland. I get in there and, and, and I see them young preacher boys. I mean in one semester we saw three boys go down because they went off chasing tail. Chasing a skirt. Got kicked out of Fruitland. And, and just kicked out of ministry altogether. Because their pastors then wrote them off. And I've seen, I've seen two pastors fall in Immorality. Whenever in my time at Fruitland. Why? Because they were young and they did not have that older saint of God in their life, that older man of God in their life teaching them right from wrong, being coachable, listening to what the man of God has to say. Less being lifted up with pride. He' going to think he's some big shot. He going to say, I'm young, I'm full of life, full of energy. I, I, I can show all these old dogs up. No, you're full of fluff. You need to sit down, shut up, and listen to the old dogs a little bit longer because they know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. Lest, lest they be lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. The devil will get them and shipwreck their pastoral ministry. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. You know what that means? In the community, as your pastor, whenever I head down Main Street uh, in Conway tomorrow for National Day of Prayer, people already know who I am, they already know that I'm here. I have a good report in the community. I showed up at Juniper Bay's uh, Revival last night to support uh, Pastor Jonathan Vandermark and, and Dr. Jeffrey Gaskins, our, our uh, Association of Missionary Strategists, and uh, showed up, showed my support last night. And I got a, I got I got help from the Lord. It was, it was really good. A Good song service. Uh, great, great outline. I mean, good, good points and stuff. But when I walked in, I, I was talking to Brother Bubba about this earlier. I walked in, people knew me. I walked in and said, hey, how you doing? I'm Dr. Waters at university. Well, yeah. He said, Oh, yeah. I've heard about you. I heard what's going on down there at the church. I said, Well, praise God. I talked to four other people that knew who I was. One person come up and said, Oh, you're you're Lee Singleton's replacement. I said, I don't know about replacement. She says, well, she said, they just don't make them like Lee Singleton anymore. And I was worried that they'd even find somebody that was even like him. But I tell you what, after looking at you, I think you'll do the job just fine. I said, well, thank you, ma'am. I don't know what she meant by that, but praise God. The point is I can show up at another church and y'all know, y'all know I haven't lived here long. I can show up at another church and they already know who I am and I have a good report to them which are without the people that are not even in my congregation. I could, I could show up at the courthouse tomorrow. People are probably going to recognize me. They have a, they have a good opinion of me. I could show up to a, a meeting with Brother Terry and, and people are going to say, all right, everything's cool. I, could, I can go to Walmart. People are going to say there's something different about that guy. So he's not just good inside of his church. He's effective. He's effective outside of the walls of the church. I said all that to say this. The Antichrist, he does not have any fear of God. He doesn't have fear of the churches. He has no fear of the men of God preaching the word of God. Unfortunately, we ain't going to be around here when that happens. But he's coming. And all what we're seeing is is the this Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist, or Antichrist plural, that's his little advocate's, they're getting ready as pawns and they're moving things into place. And what we're seeing is people that want to stand behind a pulpit, claim to be a pastor or a bishop, and they're completely disqualified. You know what that is? That's the spirit of Antichrist living in them. And I said it, you can tell them I said it, because we are accepting and affirming this ideology that if somebody steps in behind a pulpit and they have blatantly disqualified themselves from pastoral ministry, oh, it'd be right, Pastor, but go ahead and just turn the other head. God ain't turning His head. Even the, the Bible said when the Antichrist comes back, it's going to be like the days of Noah. There was not many righteous people in that day. It was Noah, his wife, his boys, And their wives. There was eight people. Eight people got on that ark. How many righteous people can God find? True, born again, child of God. That are not playing church. That are full of the Spirit. That are blood washed. How many righteous churches can God find in the land? It's a question to ask. My whole point is this, I'm preparing you. I am warning you, this is a message of warning, to watch out for this. Because before we know it, two things are going to happen. Three things, three things are going to happen. You're going to have transgenders in the pulpit. You're going to have pedophiles in the pulpit. Mark my words on this one. Christianity will be racist and hate speech. And I will be going to jail. Somebody's going to jail over preaching or even teaching or sharing the Word of God. In Israel right now, anything that even remotely looks like a cross or any Christian symbol, they're ripping up and they're taking it out right now. And I know we're supposed to love God's chosen people and we do. But get ready. Antichrist is coming. These are signs of the times. The last days started in the days that Jesus walked on the earth. And the sun is setting on the age of the last days. We are in the last seconds of the last days, church. It's time that we wake up, we stop accepting, we stop affirming. Now, y'all know my heart. I love the transgenders just as much as I love the straight men. I want to see them saved just as much as I do anybody in this world. But I will not yield to so-called preachers that affirm and accept that garbage. And I know it sounds like I'm mad. I am, man. I'm mad at the devil for what he's doing. And I'm warning the flock to let you know you watch it. You start listening to the little cues that they throw out, the propaganda, the indoctrination. Start watching it. And that's why I wanted to bring you to this. Because unless a pastor or bishop can check these off, he's disqualified. Now, I want to say this statement so I'm very clear because I know it's going to open up a lot of questions. A lot of questions. So I'm going to say this statement real quick. We're going to have time of prayer. If a man disqualifies himself from pastoral ministry, commits adultery on his wife, it seems to be the number one. Let's do that. Say he's divorced, remarries. seems to be the number one. If he finds restoration with God in adultery, and if he, if he restores that fellowship, that don't mean that he's lost. That don't mean that he cannot share the word of god with others he can still share the word of god but he cannot pastor a church he can evangelize the sinner but he cannot pastor a church are you with me mm-hmm. and as far as as far as all that goes i know pastors i have pastor friends of mine that's been married their wife died they got married to another wife And now they're divorced and still pastoring a church. Dear friend of mine, one of the smartest pastors, smartest Bible teachers I've ever met and pastors a church, I've told him how I felt about that. And it's between him, God, and the church on what they decide to do. And I know I'm I'm here, you ain't got to worry about this for another 50 to 80 years as long as God gives me breath and keeps me here at university. But you watch it. You watch, you watch these other churches. You watch the move of the spirit of Antichrist moving in and infiltrating our churches. I could probably preach for another two hours about this, but I'm not. I'm not. I could, I, I, could, I could ramble on, and I try not to. Y'all know me. I got an outline. I try to follow No. No notes tonight. This was just on my heart. But remember, Daniel chapter 11, verse 37 lets us know that this Antichrist, he desires no woman. I can't prove the Antichrist is gay. I can't prove the Antichrist is transgender, but I can prove the Bible says he desires no women. Think about that. Think on those things. Listen, we're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to wrap this thing up.